But hey, look, I want to welcome Dr. Andy Yarbrough. I know a lot of you guys probably know him because he's been around a little bit here and there, but, but, but I want to give you a second just kind of introduce yourself, introduce your family, all that good stuff. Yeah, so my wife, Melody, is here, and my kids, Maggie, Drew, and Jude's hanging out with the other kids. My mother-in-law, Margaret, is here. So I just want to honor, honor my family. Mel, Mel and I will hit 20 years of marriage this summer. So we're rock and rolling. And then we have a, 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 a few things that we do. We have the Well Clinic um, in, in Baton Rouge. And uh, yes, amen, brother. And then, uh, and, and then we do a lot of coaching and consultation with churches and pastors and missionaries and right. And so that's, that's what we're doing. That's great. You guys are in uh, Louisiana, right? Baton Rouge. Go Tigers. Tiger, tiger country. So that's Go why ahead. we have a, a decent relationship is because of that. <clears throat> that's a prerequisite for close friends of mine. Are they okay with LSU? Um, this year it's all about basketball, not football, though, right? That's, that's where we're at. good. Oh, man. Men's and women's. Yeah, absolutely. Both, both like Kim Mulkey's crushing it right now. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I um, – for the first time in many years, have actually watched basketball, LSU basketball, because <clears throat> most years there's nothing really to, to really to watch. But uh, anyway, so, but no, uh, today we're going to be having a good conversation about mental and emotional health. And um, you know, uh, a few you know, a few years ago we actually met um, actually through Bethany Church, and uh, and and so Dr. Andy's been. Not only a, a friend, but a, a mentor in some ways, and a coach, and a, 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 he's, a, he's a Christian, but he's also a psychologist, and that's kind of a, a unique dynamic there. And he's been a great resource to our church, but also uh, for me personally. I'm, I know a while back I just, I called, I called him, and I was like, hey, man, I, I need help. I need you to, uh, I, don't, I don't need a coach. I don't need strategy. I don't need whatever. I need someone to help me process through me through my mind, through my heart, what I'm feeling, and help me to, to you know, to figure some things out. And, uh, and so he's also been uh, a great resource in my personal life. And so I'm excited to be able to have a conversation here with you today. Uh, our series is Am I Healthy? So we're talking about health. Last week we talked about health, but we talked about it from the, the standpoint of shalom, right? That, that, that we're really all searching for shalom, which is peace, it's wholeness, it's completeness. That we were designed for that, but because of sin, breaking that down, we no longer have shalom. You know, we don't have that completeness, that wholeness. And so we're on this journey to try to, you know, retain or, or, or attain something that uh, we believe as Christians we can only find in Jesus. We can only truly find uh, in God. We were designed to be dependent upon him. And so we're on this journey. And, uh, but there's a lot of things that we can have conversations about in regards to what that looks like for us here and now, today, you know, not just in eternity and in in, in the next life or, you know, whatever that is, right? It, it's, what about today? And so it's this, we live in this tension, the already but not yet. And so we're going to be talking about that today. Um, I do kind of want to get us kicked off with a question of what have you seen from your perspective happen in the last couple of years with people and their mental and emotional health? You know, because it's been pretty insane, you know, and we're starting our third year of this. So what have you seen from your perspective well, a, a couple things. I've, we have seen a struggle, and I've seen a strength. And I think the struggle is, obviously, there's a lot of increased anxiety. Um, there's a lot of increased depression, a trauma. We're seeing increased trauma, particularly in kids uh, with, with being home. Um, and I think there's a, there's a cumulative level of stress that people don't take into account. So you, you heard the phrase, the straw that broke the camel's back. It really isn't about the straw. 
we get so hyper-focused on the straw, it, it really is what's on the camel's back already. And why has it been there for so long? And that's the cumulative stress. And so there are things that, you know, put us over the edge. And we're like, what is wrong with me? It's the cumulative stress of what's been going on. But there's also strengths. I mean, we're seeing people with resilience and grit um, like just learn about themselves and be able to grow as people. There's such a thing as post-trauma growth. And so we're seeing people grow through some of their own traumatic experiences. Uh, you're seeing more and more unity. You're seeing people lean into what's actually meaningful. I think a lot of times when you're, we've just been coasting and coasting COVID and everything that's been going on as a part of that process, people are going, hey, what's really meaningful to, in, to me right now? So I think about the, uh, there's this meme that goes around or whatever, and it's talking about uh, our generation talks about like the silent generation and boomers and all the all of what generations have gone through and it compares it to uh sort of like you know gen z millennials and, and gen x and what we've been through uh so i'm an I'm a old millennial basically is what it is and uh, it compared those things and what what people have gone through and and honestly it's pretty sad it's like you know you have people i mean the great depression world war vietnam i mean all these huge things and like for us it's like you know blockbuster shut down and um, I don't know, like, you know, what, and, and you know, and so for, in a lot of ways, you know, for a lot of people, this is the first thing that we've really gone through on a massive scale. And we're like, you know, throwing, like, throwing our hands up in the air. And it's like, well, you know, this is, we've honestly been in the heyday in a lot of ways, you know. And so maybe it is kind of the first time for some especially younger people, that we've really hit something that, I mean, 9-11, for me, you know, I was a senior in high school, that was a big moment on an on a international scale, but for a lot of people that haven't walked through, th things have been very safe, too, yeah. and so there's certain parts of it, like you said, haven't been tested, and, and this season has really tested some things and brought, brought up some things, and so. Uh, and, and trauma, by definition, is anything that, if something's traumatic, it works against, it, uh, it destabilizes us, it works against our sense of security, stability, um, safety, all of those things create what we think of as traumatic incidences. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean that you have to walk away with post, you know, PTSD or an acute stress disorder, but mm -hmm. it has it absolutely been destabilizing. Yeah, yeah. So one thing that we've talked about, uh, you know, is this, this concept of how we have different parts of us, you know, and, uh, and, and this was something for me that um, sometimes I think about things a certain way. There's something that happens in my life, and, and you know, I, I immediately go to these certain reactions or these certain thought processes. And a lot of times, uh, whenever those are deemed as unhealthy thought processes or reactions, for me, I just try to suppress those things or... Or, uh, you know, just stop it or get over it, you know, or whatever the case is. And, um, and I've spent a lot of my life doing that in, in certain ways. Just suppress thoughts and emotions and feelings or whatever. Um, or not process them properly, whatever the case is, because those things have been deemed as, as wrong. And, um, and so... Or we'll reject parts of us. Yeah. Like, I've had people, like, do, do things that didn't line up with their idea of who they were. And so they'll go do it and go, well, that's not, that's not me. That's not me. It's like, well, <laughs> maybe it is. <laughs> hey, maybe it is you. <laughs> you got to own it. You yeah. know? But it's, 
And so, so as, you know, you start talking about different parts of us and stuff, the things that, I, you know, you kind of drew out on the board here I know we're going to talk about, and I think it's really important that, you know, can you kind of walk us through that, walk us through the different parts of us and, the, the, you know, why we think the way that we think about certain things and how not to do what we're talking about, suppressing things, because sometimes we need to actually accept it and, and say, why am I thinking that way? What is actually the cause of that? And so you can, can you kind of open that up? Yeah, so I... I I really appreciate the series Am I Healthy? And the the whole, if you didn't hear the message last week, I, I, I listened to it. I'd recommend you go back and listen to it. The, the reality of shalom is really, really important because it has to do with all of who we are, the sense of wholeness, not, not fragmentation, but wholeness. And so when you, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to beat around a bush and come back to the idea of parts. Is that okay? Um, so when you think about health, um, and, and I know you're going to be walking through health over the next few weeks. But when you think about health psychologically, the question that I would ask or I, I would want you to ask yourself and the question I'm asking myself is, how well do I self-lead? How well do I lead myself? Because self-leadership, I really believe, is a part of God's plan and desire um, for our sanctification. Now, let that sink in for just a minute. I really believe that God's sense of self-leadership is a part of God's design and desire for us to live in wholeness through the process of our sanctification. So, before we talk about self-leadership, because I'm going to explain what I mean by that, there's a few really important frameworks that I think are important as we kind of get into this and start talking about parts. I'm going to stand up on you. Is that all right? So, all right. So few few things to consider, and then we're going to dive into this idea of self-leadership. The first thing is, right here in the middle, this is the anatomy of every single experience we have. Every single experience you and I have looks just like this. We have thoughts, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? This isn't what you should think, it's what you actually think. It's your behavioral tendencies. It's not what you should do. It's what you actually do or want to do. Somebody cuts you off. You want to karate chop them in the throat, run them in the ditch. That's what we're talking about, the real behavioral tendencies, right? And emotions, and emotions are are complicated, but emotions are the affective nature of our experiences that stamp our experiences with meaning. So if I have a positive experience, it's going to be positive meaning. Negative experience, typically negative meaning. That's, actually, that's not actually true, but that's how our things typically work. The body is in the middle because there are neurophysiological correlates to every experience you have. Stuff's going on in your brain. Stuff's going on in your body. That's why if you're dealing with depression, for example, and it's weird, you normally don't do that. Maybe you need to go get a physical and blood work. You could have an endocrinological issue or your thyroid's not doing what it's supposed to do. But there's always a physiological connection. By the way, real quick, what the interior of this is the anatomy of every attitude. We think of attitudes as emotions. But if one of my kids or one of your kids looked at you and they go, you're like, don't take that attitude with me. How, how do you know they had an attitude? A coworker looks at you and cuts their eyes. What? Look at me like that? Why is that a problem? It's because attitude is carried physiologically. 
Attitude involves our thoughts. It involves our behavior. It involves you don't have to feel something to foster the attitude you're looking for. I don't have to feel grateful to foster an attitude of thankfulness. That was free. Let's keep going. That's why worship is so important. Why using your body to position yourself in work. I don't feel like worshiping. I'm actually mad at you, God. If I'm going to be honest about my experiences... But you know what? I'm going to position my body. My body tells my brain something. My brain tells my thoughts something. It's all connected. So, um, so when you think about experiences, you also have environment, which is the setting, circumstances, which are what's happening in those settings, and setting events. Setting events are all the things that are happening in the background of our lives that increase or decrease the likelihood that something is going to happen. And it's positive or negative. So if I'm a you know, 10-year-old at school and I show up, a kid looks at me funny, that attitude we talked about earlier, and I pop, pop him in the face. I go to the principal's office. And back in the day in Bogachita, Mississippi, you go to the principal's office for punching somebody, there's a good chance that you're going to be bending over, looking at the bobcat, and getting three licks. It's like, that's child abuse. Well, that's what happened. That's what happened back in the day. And maybe I am speaking from experience. Um, maybe. Bobcat. Uh, I, I lost where I was. Anyway, the kid gets, sp- kid gets spanked. You're like, I can't believe. What were you going? He, well, he looked at me funny. I had, I don't know what I was thinking. I got mad. I felt fire in my face. So I punched him. And like, well, you're going home. Well, the environment was school. The circumstance was a kid looked at me funny, had all these other things. But if I never stopped to pay attention to the setting events, I never stop and ask the kid, what's going on in your home life? And my parents, significant others, been physically abusing me for the past eight months. What do you think is the most important aspect of that kid's experience? It's the setting events. What's setting him up? Now, this can be positive, too. I love Christmas because I've had a lot of great Christmases. It's a setting event, right? That's the first framework we need to be aware of. This is the anatomy of every experience we have. The second framework is what emotional health and maturity actually look like. This is the will of emotional health and maturity. And it starts with my ability to be curious and to be aware of the experiences. It's just awareness. I don't have to understand it yet. I just got to know I'm having this thought. I feel something. Something's going on. I need to be aware of what's happening. As I build an awareness, I'm then able to regulate it. Listen, I regulate it. I don't reject it. I may not like the experience, but if I reject it, how do I, if I'm rejecting something, how do I even give it to the Lord? If I reject it, how do I build an understanding? Because there's a lot of parts in us that we don't like. And so we reject those parts. We ignore those parts. We exile those parts because we don't like them. I don't like feeling this way. I don't like that I have these behavioral tendencies. So I reject it. But when we do that, we fragment ourselves. We keep a part of us at bay. And there's really no opportunity for us to take the next step of health, which is actually understanding. So I'm going to build awareness. I'm going to regulate, not reject. And I don't want to react. And as I do that, my body starts to calm down. My emotions start to calm down. I can actually lean in to build understanding. What's really going on? I was angry, and I wanted to 
run that dude off the road. Well, what's going on? Well, anger is a sign that a boundary line has been crossed or a value has been violated. Well, what boundary got crossed? Oh, my lane got crossed, and I got my kids in the back. And that brother was on his phone. I was just angry. I was angry. Is that a legitimate boundary? Yes. But sometimes the boundaries we have in our lives are arbitrary. We just set them up to protect ourselves, and I need to pay attention to that too. So as I build understanding, I can then respond, and responses aren't reactions. Responses are rooted in who am I? Who do I want to be? What are my values? What's my sense of purpose and mission? So we've got the anatomy of every experience. We've got the, the wheel of emotional health and maturity. And then over here, we've got this, this square thing. This is levels of change. I don't have a lot of time to explain this, but here's the gist of it. A lot of times, we will want things to change in our lives. And we'll start with our experiences in our environment. We'll try to change our behavior, et cetera, et cetera, and that's very good. The problem is where you go, you are. And if you change an experience without first paying attention to what do I actually believe about myself, about other people, about God at a core level. Because I can do something to take care of myself, but if I believe about myself that I'm worthless, that belief about myself is going to ultimately impact how I engage my own thought life, my behaviors, etc., if I believe that God loves everybody else but me, that's going to have an impact on how I actually approach God as a loving father. So what I really believe is crucial, and then you've got this sense of mission at the top. So if I want change to the last in my life, I've got to pay attention not just to what I do, but what do I really believe? And then as I lean into mission, mission is the thing that ultimately motivates us. Honestly, we do a lot of work with pastors and missionaries in different states and in different countries. One of the missional ways that people live, and I see this across every culture, is to maximize comfort, minimize pain. That seems to be, now it may look different in different cultures, but the motivating mission of most people is to maximize comfort, minimize pain. If you want to live that way, go ahead, just say it out loud. But I will say this, and we'll get into the parts work. Sometimes you have to go through pain to grow. And if we're so busy trying to maximize comfort, minimize pain, we won't engage the growth process. We're just trying to be comfortable and avoid it. We good? All right. So let me, uh, any, any thoughts about that I, before we keep going? I just pictured like a waterfall of things just pouring in over top of my brain. And, <laughs> all right. um, no, I think all that makes complete sense. Okay. I, mean, I don't know about you guys. Yeah. If not, the cool thing is that we're recording this and you can go back and watch it again Yeah. and again and again. But no, keep going. Well, in each of these things we can spend time on, but what I want to do is plant seeds and we can water those seeds and let this, let this recording be a, a resource for you. All right. So we've got these foundational, we, we know what an experience looks like now. We've got an idea for what emotional health really is, right, this, this will. We know that if I want change to last in my life, I've got to live for more than just comfort and the avoidance of pain. I've got to live with something bigger than myself. So we get into this notion of self-leadership. If I want to be psychologically healthy, what degree am I self-leading? Well, what is the self? And... I, I'm not going to pretend to give you the end-all, be-all answer on this because people have been arguing the nature of the self forever. But let's start with the scriptures. 
I believe that the self exists implicitly and explicitly throughout the entirety of the scriptures. You see it in nouns. You see it in pronouns. You see it in implied use. Are you English majors out there? It's like, that brother just said implied you, right? <laughs> think, think of like, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, so mind your love your neighbor as yourself. Um, put on the old self. Take off the old self. Put on the new self. That word's anthropos. Um, walk in line with the Spirit. Well, who's choosing to walk in line with the Spirit? You are choosing to walk in line. There's, a, there's something inside of us that is the seat of agency that ultimately responds to God, engages God, and acts as the outpost of the kingdom of God in the earth. It is the core of who we are that gets justified. And for those who've been justified, they've been glorified. That that core of who you are gets a new body when we see him face to face. But there is this process in the middle that most of us aren't huge fans of because it requires pain. It's called sanctification. We have been saved. We are being saved. And we will be saved. And the self is the core of us that participates and chooses to participate with God in the process of our sanctification. Take a deep breath. There's something in you that is deeper than the parts of who you are. A unique, meaningful, created, God-given self made in His image to represent him in the earth and to spend eternity with him, glorifying him and experiencing joy forever. It's in us. We are that self. So consider a few things. Romans 8. Let me read something. Romans 8. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Well, who sets the mind? Whatever, the self. The self sets the mind on the things of the flesh when we live according to the flesh. The Greek word there is sarx. We're going to get there in a minute. But, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit does desires. Well, who sets the mind on the Spirit? Does God come in? and We're not automatons. There was this French clockmaker called Mallard. I just totally butchered that. But... If you go look at M-A-I-L-L-E-R-T, Mallard's Automaton, in the 16 or 1700s, this guy creates this human-looking thing that can write two poems in French, a poem in English, draw boats. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. We are not automatons. God does not lean in and demand that we participate in the sanctification process. So who is choosing in this moment? But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. We do. That core self does. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit well, who's, doing the, who's choosing to not submit? The self. What's in us. Um, nor can it do so. 
It doesn't, the self doesn't even have the power to do it outside of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So what is the mind? That idea, I'm, 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 I'm driving this home here, but the, the, the word's phronio, but it means to have understanding, to have an opinion of yourself. And to think or judge what your opinion is. So basically, it's referring to this underlying sense of agency that I'm, I'm, I'm calling the self. Think about Galatians chapter 5. And I mentioned this. It says, um, walk in line with the Spirit. Who's choosing to walk in line with the Spirit? The self. That core of us that has the ability now in Christ Jesus to make these decisions. And when you think about, this is a side note, but self-control. Why is self-control the last fruit of the Holy Spirit? Self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. It's because he wakes up the self to lead the self, because without self-control, we'll sabotage the rest of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Even the work of the Spirit in our lives empowers us because the Spirit of God acknowledges that we have to participate. We have to also engage that process. So here's my point. We all have a core self. And that self has the potential for God-like attributes. Compassion, love, creativity, presence, curiosity, all of those things. And it's from this core self that we choose to submit to the will of the Father, cho choosing Him as our, our source of life. Um, now, some of you if, you, if you read the scriptures, I've had people say to me, well, aren't you supposed to, like, aren't you supposed to die to the self? Um, well, there's a difference between the self and sarks. S-A-R-X. Sarks is the Greek word for flesh. And what, what's actually supposed to happen, um, we're really supposed to die to sarks. We're supposed to die to the flesh. And the idea of the flesh is all of the things that our body craves or desires that move us away from the Lord. That's what we're actually supposed to die. We're supposed to, um, how does he say it? Jesus says, though, we deny the self. We don't die to the self. Deny yourself. And if you go on and you read verses 24, the whole purpose of denying aspects of the self or outworkings of the self that aren't healthy is so that you get your life back. It's not so that we die or we beat ourselves up for the fun of it. It's for the sake of life. It's for life's sake. If you, if you lose your life, that word there is psyche, it means soul. If you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. The goal is for the core of who we've been created to be, to be made alive in Christ and to be living, choosing him, full of the abundance of everything that he has to offer us. We're, you're talking about choosing to, <clears throat> to follow Jesus, choosing to die to self, choosing. I think a lot of times uh, in general people just want to like take their, Jesus take the wheel. Like just, yeah. and then just miraculously, poof, all these things take place, right? Yeah. Like, like I feel anger or I feel whatever or I'm doing this and if I just let go and let God. And, and, and it's this, it's an oversimplification or if it's, you know, like, God, lead me and guide me. Uh, I know some people, they pray that God would give them the answers that they need for life. And it's just, give me the answers. And really, it's like, so I don't have to take responsibility for yes. even pursuing those answers. Just give me, give me, because I don't want to mess it up or, or whatever. I don't know what that is, yeah. but, yeah. I agree with you. I, I, and, and let me say this, too. The self is supposed to die. But that's at the point of justification. We've got to go into the grave, but the purpose of the core of who we are is to be made to be reborn. 
It's not that the self goes into the grave to stay there. It's the self goes into the grave to be made whole again, to be brought back to life in Christ Jesus. And it's at that point that our will is alive to be able to make these choices in the process of sanctification. Is everybody with me? All right. So let me, let me, I'm going to stand up on you again. Is that okay? All right. So this is what's happening. So we've got the core self that is being filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. And the self is now alive in Christ Jesus. We're being led by, filled with the Holy Spirit. And the self is now meant to lead all of the different identity parts of who we are. So there is a core self, but all of us have multiple parts. For example, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I am a son. I'm a brother. I'm a friend. I'm a psychologist. I'm a, I teach. I, there, there's a lot of identity parts to who I am, right? I love, I'm a music lover, all those things. And every one of those parts, while they are related, have their own unique set of experiences. Who I am as a father is different than what's going on experientially in who I am as a husband. Right? This is why you can have great relationships in some areas of your life and your marriage is falling apart. It's because you've carried beliefs. And by the way, every single part also operates from its own belief systems. <laughs> Think about this for a minute. If I go in and I've got great friendships, but I have a father wound, and I'm a wife, and I go in and I'm now married to a man that becomes a father, if I'm not careful, that can trigger my father wound, and I end up struggling in my marriage because this part of me has carried this belief, this wound, this pain. That's why sanctification is a lifelong process. Is the Lord's always doing a, a, a work in us. So ideally what happens is the self is filled with the Holy Spirit and we lead these parts well. So if a part gets hurt or wounded, ideally the self leads that part into health as the self follows and is led by the Holy Spirit. But that is not what happens a lot of the time. A lot of times... Who we are, that core self doesn't have the support that he or she needs. So we don't know what to do. Sometimes we get hurt. We don't know the Lord yet. We do the best that we can. And if the self doesn't lead well in those moments, you will have identity parts that freak out on you and fracture. And they will move from an identity part to a functional part. They move from an identity part to a protector part. And they start to take on the role of protector. They exalt their part as protector above the knowledge of God as protector. This part now operates out of the mission to protect the self from any experience that now becomes so overwhelming that I don't know what to do with it anymore. Let's take the 10-year-old little boy. 
you know, he, he gets sent home. He's got parts right now that he, he doesn't know what to do with. My, my, my parents aren't protecting me. School's not protecting me anymore. I, I'm fighting. What is going on? He could start to have parts of him that feel abandoned, that feel shamed. And that abandonment and that shame is so overwhelming that who he is as a son fractures. And to protect himself from the pain of abandonment and from the pain of being overwhelmed, what happens? He starts to develop these protector parts. These parts that start to say, hey, you know what? I've got you. So maybe he becomes violent. And there's a part of him that's violent that protects him from feeling abandoned and from feeling shamed. Right? We all have these parts. You could have the, the parts that operate on a daily basis. We call them managers. And so you could have manager parts that are operating on the day-to-day for you. Perfectionism. And perfectionism protects me from feeling out of control. I exiled that part. I don't want that part anymore. Uh, depression can be a manager. Think about this for a minute. If depression's a manager, how is depression protecting you? If I am worried that I'm going to be rejected, depression says I'm worthless, so I never actually risk. It protects me from risking to never feel the pain of rejection. You've got another type of protectors called firefighters. Managers care about collateral damage. Firefighters don't. Take suicidality. Suicidal, suicidality is a protector part. It's like, what? Think about this. If I've been so hurt or I'm so tired of my pain, there's a part of me that kicks in that says, don't worry about the consequences. It's going to be okay. There's a way out. That part's not healthy, but it's just trying to protect me from the pain of what I'm feeling. Every part needs a place at the table because Jesus invites us to his table. We, instead of rejecting these parts of who we are, we're able to start leaning in, inviting these parts, helping these parts heal, inviting the Holy Spirit into these moments. And what happens is when you start understanding the different parts of who you are, you start building understanding so that you can respond, not react or reject these parts of who you are that are so painful. Peter had parts. Peter had a part of him that said, I'm, gonna, I'm coming with you, Jesus. And a part of him that rejected, rejected Jesus three times. Paul had a part. Paul had a part that did the things he didn't want to do. But Paul trusted the Lord. Jesus had parts. Jesus himself had a part that tried to talk him out of going to the cross. He tried to talk the Father out of going to the cross. Is, is there another way? Think about that for a minute. That part wasn't sin. By the way, parts aren't always sin. And parts are not demonic. Parts can be influenced by the enemy. But I'm talking about just aspects of our soul. There was a human part to Jesus that was scared. He was so scared that he was experiencing hematidrosis. I think I said that correctly. Where literally the stress breaks the capillaries in your skin and you bleed through your pores. There's a part of him that was just afraid, but he submitted that part to the Lord and he led that part well. Whew. Man, he understands parts of who we are that we don't like, parts that struggle. 
And he says, invite them to the table because I've invited you to the table. I love you. Let's walk through this process of sanctification together. And I think that's what it means to be psychologically healthy and whole. Shalom. Yes. That's great, man. I mean, it's like, you know, whenever you, do you ever have these moments where somebody begins to explain things? And it's somebody, they're laying you out, like they're, they're lining out everything that you feel and think, but they're putting it in a way that is both convicting, but yet it's, it, there's not condemnation attached to it. You know, uh, like you talk about depression, you, talk, you can talk about anxiety, you can talk about all of these, these different things. And, uh, and so many times there's a stigma attached or there's a, a, just ignore it, you know, put it down or there's a, uh, yeah, just, just get it out. Like, I'm just going to, you know, just get it away from me or let's not talk about it. And, uh, and those are just all improper reactions, you know. And so whenever we do accept those things, um, you know, I know we, we're, we're kind of coming to the end of the time that we have, you know. And so, I, so we really need to kind of wrap up. But with, there comes a moment where people need, um, I think we can work through some things by ourselves, you know, or, or maybe with just some people around us, some friends or, or, or a pastor or whatever. But where, where is the line, where, uh, for you, the line where somebody should really seek either professional help or, or uh, somebody that's, you know, qualified to really help them process through what they're feeling and thinking? I, I think we should always ask for help. I, I mean, you know what I'm saying? All right, so give it up for Dr. Andy. Yeah, and see you all later. <laughs> I, I think we should always ask for help. Um, I think when you look for professional help, it's when you have parts of who you are that are shutting your life down. Shutting your life down in, in different ways. You have a hard time functioning in your daily life, relationally, et cetera. That's when I think you lean into professional help. And some of what we're talking about is a form of therapy called internal family systems therapy. I do not agree with everything that IFS advocates. Um, the way I would describe the self is a, is a, is a Christian worldview. IFS therapists will not necessarily describe the self this way, but it even a blind squirrel finds a nut now and then. And, and I'm not knocking uh, Richard Schwartz. I very much appreciate what he has observed. But as Christians, we just understand these things a little differently. But seeking into, leaning into people who are IFS trained can be really helpful. But uh, so when it starts to shut you down. Yeah, these are great things. Um, this is sort of like just like a, a tease. It's like a, you know, just kind of, hey, think of. A different way of thinking about ourselves, a different way of thinking about the things that we deal with on a, on a day-to-day basis. Um, I know that for me, uh, uh, there's parts of my life and parts of my emotions and my thought processes that for a long time I did reject or, or try to just minimize or, um, or reframe. I think that's something that we do a lot as we try to reframe things. Well, it's not really like that or, or you know, blah, 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 we justify certain things. Instead of just being honest and direct and just saying, no, let me let this come to the surface uh, to where it can actually be talked about or, or dealt with or, or prayed through or whatever. But Last thought. Yeah. Jesus doesn't say that you got to get all your parts right before you come to him. He just wants you to bring everything. Everything. This week, we're going to be sharing some resources uh, through social media about um, different ways that maybe, you know, if you're, some of the things that Dr. Andy's talking about, maybe you're like, man, that's me. (laughs) 
What, how do I take this? Where do I go from here? Uh, we're going to be sharing some, some different resources uh, online that you can take advantage of. And, uh, and today was just a primer. Today was just to kind of get the, the conversation going uh, in your own life. Um, uh, and, and maybe you, you might have got some answers. You might have got some things that, uh, you know, maybe help for today. But I think there's a lot of people, uh, a lot of us, who we need to pursue this to another degree. You need to pursue emotional and mental health to another degree. Uh, sometimes we're blaming it on people. We're blaming it on our environments. We're blaming it, we're, whatever. But it's like, stop blaming <laughs> in the first place, you know. And it's not about this person being right or wrong. It's about, it's about being healthy and, and living a life that, that uh, is healthy for, you, for yourself, right. But, but more importantly, brings glory to God. And that's what this is about. So, uh, so come on, can we give it up for Dr. Andy? Uh, just an incredible person. Thank you so much, man. Thank you, brother. We're going to transition uh, as we close out the service today. I want you to go ahead and stand to your feet. What we're going to do is uh, we're going to have a moment here at the end of the services, all locations where we have a prayer team that comes up to the front. Because I believe that God is... is dealing with us in different areas, and, and this is a great time to respond to that. If you need prayer for anything going on in life, it's a great time to do that. We're going to worship here in just a moment, but I want to pray, and I want to ask God to soften our hearts and to, to give us the strength, the boldness, the confidence to take this, this conversation for many of us to the next level, because for some of you, you're, you're in a moment right now where you're like, things kind of seem clear. But what happens is we walk out of an environment like this, and then we just go back to the day in and day out. And, and then in three weeks, we're in the same exact place of cloudiness and our emotions are, are scrambled and we're not thinking clearly again. And so today is sort of like a, a moment where you maybe kind of, the clouds break a little bit. And you're like, wow, that's what's going on with me. That's what's going on with, this, with my spouse. And, and it gives you greater understanding. But we have to be aware and we also have to take next steps in that. And so I want to pray that God would give us the strength to do that. Because for some of us, that's very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable because you you're kind of scared about what's lying underneath, right? You've got this layer of thick, calloused, you know, whatever, and, and, and you don't want to break that open. And uh, we need God's grace to help us to do that. So let's pray, and then we're going to worship together. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word, God, that you have uh, uh, given us uh, enough to know how we're, we're made. And God, not just to uh, uh, kind of shrug things off and move forward, but to truly drill down into who we are. God, I pray that even this week in our lives that you would do a great work in us. God, as we read your word, as we meditate upon you, and God, as we have these conversations, Lord, I pray that you would begin to bring out of us the things that need to be brought out of us, God. God, to, uh, to sanctify us. God, and we, we agree, we surrender to that process in our life to be sanctified, to be more like you, Jesus. God, we open up our hearts, we open up our lives. We thank you for the work that you're doing in us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.